This podcast is brought to you by The Empowerment Project. Research proves that empowerment self-defense training makes you safer, period. I want you to have a great self-defense toolkit so you can create strong boundaries, speak with confidence, and take up all the space that you deserve in the world. We'll hear stories from survivors and find out what worked for them and why. We'll interview leaders in the field and talk about tips, concepts, and really easy things that you could do to make yourself safer and interrupt the cycle of violence. I've taught self-defense classes for over 30 years, and I promise to teach you everything I know. Ultimately, I'm going to want you to get some in-person training, but a great empowerment self-defense class is more than just the physical skills. The list of things I want to teach you is endless, so let's get to it. My name is Sylvia Smart, and welcome to The Empowerment Project. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I am thrilled to have Adriana Lee with us today. I first saw Adriana earlier this year in a Facebook group I'm part of because she posted about a class she was teaching with Impact Boston. It was a self-defense class for women of color, and I immediately wanted to know more. So today we get to know Adriana a little bit and find out about her empowerment self-defense journey. We're also going to find out what inspires her, and we're going to spend some time talking about issues and experiences that are particular to women of color within this greater umbrella of empowerment self-defense, and I'm really excited. Hi, Adriana. Hi. Thank you so much for having me, Sylvia. I'm excited to talk more and explore this. Me too. Thank you for your time and for just hanging out with me. I really look forward to just chatting a little bit with you and Let's dump, jump in. So I would love to hear about your journey. What got you interested in training martial arts first? And then what led you to find Impact Boston when you took your first class? Like what happened? What was that like, that, that initial beginning component of this journey? Absolutely. Uh, so my the beginning of sort of my martial arts and empowerment self-defense journey um, only started a few years ago, uh, three years ago in 2017. I had found uh, Impact Boston uh, through the organization, the affiliate agency I was working with at the time, uh, Triangle, um, by taking a class um, as a student. I took a women's weekend self-defense class. And what was sort of happening for me at the same time was I was sort of dabbling in my hobbies of Chinese lion dance um, and then eventually beginner beginning uh, at uh, traditional Chinese kung fu. Uh, so my uh, background is I'm half Chinese and I'm very closely linked to my heritage and to a lot of the traditions in my, my family and my culture. And so I had been doing... Um, traditional Chinese lion dance in Chinatown, Boston for a little less than a year. And I was sort of playing around with and dabbling and beginning to learn Kung Fu. And at the same time, one weekend I took this class, um, Impact Boston's Empowerment Self-Defense class for women. Um, and that's really where my journey was sparked. <laughs> and uh, it really changed me. My experiences in that class um, really got me to look at self-defense uh, differently than I looked at it um, through a lens of Kung Fu. 
I'm someone who tended to only think I was the type of student that only thought about the fight and the fighting and the actual action and striking and not about all of the other things that empowerment self-defense really envelops, like your own confidence, your instincts, awareness, um, options, strategies, and things like that. Um, so that's really uh, where the empowerment, self-defense, and impact bug sort of bit me. Um, and that's been the start of my journey and and going on ever since. So that's a really cool story. And that is so true. Like, me too. I'm like, I like the physical part. Let's hit. Let's knock them <laughs> out. Let's kick their butt. I love that part. And yet empowerment, self-defense is like such a bigger picture. Um, but so what about that class inspired you to take that leap, to make that transition from self-defense student to self-defense instructor? Well, can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Um, my, I would say what really made me take that leap was a specific experience that I gained um, in the uh, impact weekend course. Um, it's a three-day class. It's very intense. And you go through this journey of from the beginning to building skills of learning physical and verbal skills. You also get a chance to explore the different dynamics of self-defense with not only strangers, but familiar people, people that you know. Um, I am someone who is a multiple-time survivor of abuse and abusive relationships, and so something that impact uh, lent the space in the class was I was able to revisit and re-explore some patterns of um, uh, an abusive relationship that I had been in only a year before taking the class. And so in that experience in the class of being able to revisit that um, and really get a chance to rewrite the script and the narrative of what happened um, in the actual fight and the choices I made uh, really over overwhelmed me. I, I realized there was a whole side of not just self-defense, but who I am and what safety really means to me that I never really looked at before. And empowerment self-defense in that way has such a, a uniquely trauma-informed process that was able to bring that out and so as the change was happening, I could feel it several weeks later, I could see a difference in the way I relaxed my shoulders and the way I was able to look at things. I started paying more attention to warning signs with others. I started to be more aware of myself in a way that I never really had before. And so in noticing that change and how, how dramatically it was uh, my perspective had shifted and and seeing the experiences of others um, having similar issues in the class really spoke to me. I really wanted a chance to learn how to help others do that, how to feel safer for themselves, how to learn more about themselves through self-defense and going beyond, you know, what I was drawn to before, just the fight, just the action, but really those steps to feeling fully capable and fully strong for yourself. I knew there was a reason that I wanted to talk to you and interview you for this podcast because the way that you just described what happened for you in that class is 
such a beautiful example of this trauma-informed process that we empowerment self-defense instructors lead students through and the depth of healing that comes from that it's like you nailed it like that 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 is just so powerful and empowering the way that you described it was so perfect too like that is the quintessential like this is empowerment self-defense in the way that you described it. So I'm really curious to know, like you had that inspiring class and then you're inspired to take that and help others get that same experience. And as you've been training to become an empowerment self-defense instructors, those changes, I mean, if you're anything like me, those changes continue. So what changes have you seen in yourself since that class? The lasting changes and the ones that you you know, continue to experience as you teach. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging that. It's very much a healing process. And I I kind of want to start off by saying I'm still in that process. Even though I've been an instructor for about three years now, I'm I'm very much still in that healing process. And and being an instructor has definitely opened my eyes even more to that. Um, I would definitely say what speaks to me the most in terms of the changes I see in myself now and the from three years ago is my reactionariness, which is totally not a word, but I'm going to make it a word. <laughs> I um, like it though. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I was a, I was very much a reactionary person, uh, both physically and emotionally, and. And, and just sort of, okay, I see a problem. I'm automatically going to diagnose it. This is it. And I just kind of am running for the hills with my solution, you know, before I've really weighed my options. And so the changes I've seen in myself and that I hope really continue to grow um, are really about the nature of, of, of self-defense. One of the natures, I should say, of self-defense, of choices that we have choices that we make, and being able to really look at weighing competing harms in a self-defense situation, whether it's I felt that I set a boundary with someone and they didn't listen, or I'm potentially uh, physically unsafe or feel like I'm in danger, Um, having that added layer of, of being able to think more clearly when I'm stressed out or nervous in that situation being able to balance the competing harms versus just, it's like I'm fighting my reaction to something versus what's actually going to help me in the situation. What's my best bet for safety? Um, and, and to me, it's really been a journey of battling not only what I, as a, as a, you know, biracial queer, um, you know, instructor and trauma survivor has experienced and been socialized to how to react, how to speak up for myself and, and find empowerment in this world, but what options we all really do have and what I really have that, um, that makes me who I am that I can contribute to protecting myself and not just sort of have gut reactions and then take risks that I, that might not be helpful for me to take. Um, so I don't know if that (laughs) kind of answers the questions a little bit roundabout, um, but I hope to continue to see that growth that personal growth within me um, that will make me feel safer and more empowered in my environments. 
So thank you for that. And I want to kind of hop into this class that you taught for women of color. What had you noticed was missing or what was it that needed more focus that you felt like this class would be uh, an answer to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So one of the courses uh, that uh, my team, Impact Boston, already offers is uh, we have lots of different self-defense weekend workshops, or at least we, you know, we did uh, back uh, to being in person, transferring online. And so one of the classes we taught uh, is uh, self-defense for LGBTQ identified folks. Um, I have taught, I have co-taught one of those uh, workshops, and there's a unique experience to serving students um, to learn self-defense, but like for marginalized groups, different kinds of things can come up as we know. And so something that I felt really needed to, to be happening was helping survivors and specifically women of color um, address all these other factors of especially the verbal and emotional self-defense that we don't always have time to, to get to, you know, in, in the core of a class and the weight of all of that. And so what I wanted to see was a unique space where we could hold that and encompass self-defense and those principles at the same time. Got it. That's awesome. And can you tell us about a few of the the specific self-defense issues women of color face and how you address them in your classes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's, you know, a whole range of issues that are specific to the collective groups of women of color and then really branches out into thousands of branches of of region, culture, generational uh, trauma and things like that. And and so what I was noticing that were common themes, uh, one that came up that's probably a very hot topic today in the last few years um, in social media is microaggressions. Right. Um, and, and so what I was noticing uh, that students were really needing a place to talk about and explore microaggressions and not just a place to say like, okay, microaggressions exist. What are we going to do about it? But really exploring what are microaggressions what is intentional when someone says something or does something? What isn't intentional? What's socialized? What does it really matter? What feels safe or unsafe to us? And, and what do we do about it when we're in that situation? How do we navigate that based on the environment we're in and how we're, we're combating that for ourselves or even collectively for groups of people? The other thing I was noticing, and it could just be my personal experience, um, was that a lot of, of, of uh, women of color that have come to some of the classes that we've taught online and even just in my social networks is in our jobs or in our professional lives, um, we may be the only person of color or there may not be other people on our teams or in our environments that we can relate to. And sort of that disparity of being able to still work together and understand each other and acknowledge the differences um, while there may or may not be hyper focus on, you know, race and identity in those ways. 
was kind of being ignored. I noticed that I myself ended up in a lot of spaces just by happenstance that happened to be predominantly white, right? And that could just be population. It could just be region. But what I was noticing is that there wasn't really a lot of safe spaces for women of color in general. I had to go digging for them. I had to find them. I had to really branch out. It wasn't, I I wasn't finding that it was really like a common norm the way I feel it is for folks who aren't people of color, um, especially as a person who is half Puerto Rican and half Chinese. And that mix is not common. And that mix is not necessarily common for someone who is a trauma survivor or someone who is queer um, as I am. And I was just noticing that there's all these niche things that can happen to us in our identities and, and, and who we are. And it, it can be very alienating to be constantly in environments where you're not you're not around people who are like you or come from the same places as you and so it can make some things not just with safety but social norms it can make it difficult to navigate and so those are some of the the many areas i was noticing that really needed to be addressed and acknowledged for all women of color of all experiences and ages i love that and as you're talking i'm like imagining the continuum of sexual assault and violence that we talk about and having layered upon it yet another continuum of racially motivated harassment, racism, that layers on top of and into and creates all sorts of complexities and power dynamics and nuanced behaviors that, I mean, that I hear you talking about. Absolutely. And yeah, I really want to comment on that. Another thing that I was note, well, two things I'll say that I was noticing is that we know, and we always say, you know, in an impact class, the vast majority of violence, especially sexual assault, is perpetrated um, primarily by uh, people that we know, people right. in our lives. And the it's anyone can can look it up, you know, even on Google or just from knowing and experience that a lot of abuse and uh, like emotional abuse, financial abuse, physical abuse, as well as sexual assault is even higher in rates for women of color. And something that I was really noticing in a lot of communities of color is not even acknowledging that these things are abuse, not even acknowledging that these, these are, these things are not okay. And, and putting women in danger and unsafe sort of socialized norms. On the other hand, I think that the ongoing pressure and the climate we've been facing, you know, especially in the last couple of years around racism and racially charged self-defense situations and, and hate crimes and all that, I think that like myself, a lot of women of color were noticing that people who are white, who aren't people of color, were changing their attitudes towards certain conversations about racism. So maybe they felt that they could talk to their white friends or family members or, or uh, you know, co-workers before, but now there's sort of this added pressure lately for everyone to either make things about race, whether or not they are, or to always take racism and what's going on socially into consideration. And it made it harder to have these honest conversations uh, with each other to get to a better place of growth and understanding 
There was a lot of tiptoeing that was going around on one end. And on another end, there's a lot of hostility and aggression going on. And there's, I was finding there's less and less places where there's like an in-between of trying to come to a better place together and a better place of understanding and working together while all at the same time holding people to feel safe while doing so. Well, I love that you created that safe space and that I'm sure you will continue to create safe spaces. And as this social justice landscape continues to evolve, as we're all learning and growing and exposing our ignorance and, you know, supporting one another along the way and challenging one another, where would you like to see the empowerment self-defense movement head? And what are you most proud to be part of? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think one of the things that I I focus on a lot um, for myself as a person, but in the empowerment self-defense world, is common ground and unity. While I know I just kind of spent a while expressing the ways that, for example, like marginalized groups such as like queer people, uh, queer folks or, or women of color or survivors of color have niche areas of concerns when it comes to self-defense. I've also seen uh, different situations when we, when we come to this place of empowerment and, and social justice and we feel that we're making progressive strides, and we are, there's more that I think that can be done to really unify us in terms of realizing we all have the same common goal regardless of our generation, regardless of our race, regardless of our experience, everyone has the right to feel safe and everyone has the right to create safety, whatever that looks like for them, wherever they go. And if we all spent uh, more focus for ourselves feeling safe, but recognizing others have that right as well and acknowledging that we should all get an equal chance at it, I think that's something I really want to see. Um, a lot of the times I think we focus on self-defense for us and protecting ourselves and doing whatever it takes to make us feel safe. And I think that that's a great start, but I think we could go beyond that. I, I would like to see more like accountability and responsibility to our own actions, to the things that we can do to really stay safe and not just leave it up to the hands of other people to create our safety, but to really find the different things we need uh, in order to create that. Um, so I, I'd love to see like more work on that and, and, and teaching folks, not just self-defense, but how we protect each other, how we stay safe and mindful of our interactions and, and things like that. Totally. In fact, I was just talking with someone yesterday about how when you have great self-defense skills and you've got the confidence and you know you can kick butt, you can be a better bystander. You can be a better de-escalator. You can stand up for people in a stronger way. And so, I mean, I really hear you saying that, that it's all our responsibilities and this is all of our, it's our community. And it's also the joy of being able to feel strong and be able to be present no matter what's going on, to create not just your own safety, but safety for others. And I love the way that you just said that. So thank you. Thank you. So what are you most proud of? Like, what do you like, what do you love the most? Oh, well, okay, let me ask you that question then. So what's your favorite thing about teaching and what inspires you the most? Yeah, that's a great question. I think my favorite thing about teaching 
Well, I have a lot. <laughs> so I guess my favorite thing, um, I, I do come from like a theater background. So I think my favorite thing about teaching is being around people um, and, and learning different things and, and, and meeting new people and different experiences. So I guess I will say that is my favorite thing uh, about being a self-defense instructor, meeting all different types of students who come to these classes for all different types of reasons, getting a chance to see what are people really fighting for? What do people really want to feel safe? What do people really need to feel confident? And it does, you know, subconsciously help me in my journey to learn more, um, you know, about others and, and what makes us tick and, and what, what some of the work is that needs to be done. But I would, yeah, I would say that my favorite experience being an instructor is being able to see different students all coming into their own and, and finding safety for them and what works for them. Being able to feel like a little bit of weight is lifted before they came into the class, knowing that they are in control, that they can do this, that there may be limitations and setbacks, but they can ultimately feel empowered for themselves. I love that too. That moment when you see your student like go, oh my God, I can, I can do that. Like, whoa, I love that. I love that so much. You know, Adriana, I have loved talking with you. And I think, I mean, one of the reasons for me for doing this podcast is to get the information out there because I think that the work that we are all doing is it's really powerful. And I don't think people get it yet. Absolutely. I totally agree. I think that part of me always wonders, like, if you have to go through the journey yourself for it to hit home as much. Um, But I think we're still, you know, getting the message out there and knowing that we're a support system as well as just a, we're beyond a self-defense class, um, I think can be really helpful to keep in mind. Totally. Well, I have loved talking with you. I've. Is there anything else that you want to say or talk about before we wrap up? No, I just wanted to say thank you so much for this. It's 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 very refreshing to me to be able to talk about this stuff because I'm doing the work, right? I'm I'm doing it, and sometimes there isn't, you know time for a pause and, and, and reflection in this work. So I just wanted to say thank you for being able to encompass a lot of these things for me and, and bring them out. You bet. Thank you for, for spending time with us and for going through all the initial technical difficulties that we had that people listening <laughs> have no idea what we went through to make this happen. No <laughs> so, problem. Thank you, Adriana. And really, um, thanks for the work that you're doing. Hang in there. Keep it going. Like what you're doing is really important. It's really important work. Thank you so much, Sylvia. It's affirmation time. This is how I end every self-defense class. It's kind of cheesy, But it's very cool, and this is how it works. We're going to do like a little call and response. If you can say this out loud, if you can repeat after me, do it, because it's important, I think, for you to hear your own voice. But if you can't, like if you're on a crowded subway or someplace where it's embarrassing, don't worry. You can also just say it inside your head. 
Okay. So I'm going to say something and you're going to repeat it after me. I'm going to give you space to do that. And at the end, we're going to say yes. Here we go. Repeat after me. I am worth protecting. I love myself. I belong. I deserve to take up space on planet Earth. I am a strong and powerful person. Yes! Woohoo! And hey, as a wrap up, will you do me a favor? Will you do all the things that you do when there's a podcast? Like, will you tell your friends? Will you subscribe? Will you come back each week? Communicate with me? Review this podcast? Like, all those things to help get more bandwidth, help more people find out about it. That would be super awesome. Take a deep breath. You are amazing. Thank you for being with me. See you next time.